Good evening, and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight, we'll be studying number 28 of Revelation chapter 1. And we're concluding our uh, study of verse 7, uh, and we've come to the last phrase of Revelation 1, verse 7, after uh, the Lord indicated that he cometh with clouds, and every eye will see him, they also which pierced him, and the kindreds of the earth shall wail or mourn because of him. The concluding statement then is made, even so, amen. And, you know, every word in the Bible is the word of God, and everything is of equal value and weight. And so we we don't want to skip over anything when we study the Bible. Sometimes we don't know the answer to something, but still... We know that God has uh, not said anything in vain, that everything is worthwhile and uh, worth our time to look at. Well, here, the final phrase, even so, amen. Well, the word even so, it is a translation of a Greek word that normally means yes or yay. For instance, there's a verse that says, let your yea be yea, and nay, nay. And and the word yea is this particular Greek word. And what we really have here is a statement by the Lord confirming the things that have been spoken. It's an affirmation of these things, and amen goes along with that is that means truly or verily let it be that this is something that is truth and that is going to happen and and so uh, yes truly or verily amen let it be well uh, let's just look at a few verses where we find this Greek word translated as even so and and sometimes yea or yes in Revelation 14 in verse 13. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit. Now we could translate that even so, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. Again, an affirmation of what's being spoken. In Revelation 16, verse 7, And I heard another out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. Another positive affirmation of the word of God. And then we'll just look at one more verse. In Revelation 22, in verse 20, this is near the end of the Bible. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. And this is expressing the desire of all the people of God. We we want, we uh, hope for. It is our expectation that the Lord Jesus fulfill all the promises of the Bible and come to conclude his plan for this world and to begin the plan for eternity future as far as 
the elect of God are concerned, the the ones still living in this life. And and so the, the Lord testifies, I come quickly. This is the witness of God. This this is his promise, his declaration. He he will come quickly in the proper period, the proper time. He does everything speedily in its proper order. And now we're at, at that point where we're in the day of judgment and God must fulfill his plan for judgment day for this world. He must punish man um, according uh, to his perfect law. And he must test those that profess to be his people during this period of time to purge away the the dross from the silver and to purify the true gold and silver, the the ones that are uh, without guile and, and truly God's people born again. And when these things are finished, he will come. And our response is, yes, Lord, or even so, come, Lord Jesus. We confirm this. We recognize this is true. This is the truth of the Bible. Well, okay, now we're going to move on into verse 8 of Revelation 1. And it says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. And this is one of those verses in the Bible that is is just uh, in, incredible uh, that it teaches us so much about the eternal character of God that he is this awesome, infinite being that um, has always been and always will be and always is. That he is the great I am. And that's how the verse starts. I am. This in the Greek is ego me. I am is a name of God. And we remember back in the book of Exodus. When Moses had his encounter with the Lord. When he saw the burning bush. And he spoke with the Lord in Exodus 3 verse 13. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? It's a good question. What is your name? What is the name of God? And of course, the Bible reveals many names for God. He uh, reveals himself to have many names, and each one teaches something, some particular facet of his nature, some attribute of his, and and each one is revealing of his person. But here God answers Moses in verse 14 of Exodus 3 and says, And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. And this name of God 
reveals that he is the ever-existent one. He is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And remember what Jesus said to the Jews when they were questioning him, and uh, he, he spoke of Abraham rejoicing to see his day in John 8, in verse 56. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. Then took they up stones to cast at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Why did they pick up stones? Well, because they knew full well what Christ was saying. Obviously, they they were aware of the name that God spoke to Moses when Moses asked him, Tell them, I am has sent you. And when Jesus said, Before Abraham was, I am, he was declaring in matter-of-fact terms in which no Jew could mistake that he was the God of the burning bush, that he was Jehovah. And, you know, if if ever you hear someone say, well, Jesus never claimed to be God, well, they, they really don't know what they're talking about. What Christ uh, would say, ego ami, I am, in a few different places. And clearly, he was declaring his eternal nature. Before Abraham was, I am, is a statement indicating the Almighty, God himself. And, and Christ was declaring that he was that God that lived, that existed before Abraham. And then how long was it since Abraham lived? Over 2,000 years before Christ was born. And there he was in the flesh dwelling among them and telling them, before Abraham was, I am. And they didn't recognize him as God. They didn't admit that he was God. They thought he was a man like themselves. And that was their foolishness and due to their sinful nature. Yet whether a man recognizes Christ as God or not doesn't change the fact that he is and plainly declared it. And here in Revelation 1 verse 8, that's how this verse begins. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. What a tremendous statement of deity. What an incredible declaration by the Lord Jesus Christ that he is these things. Now let's look at this phrase, Alpha and Omega. And you might be interested to know, in case you don't have a Greek text, and if you don't, it would be good to try to find one to get a hold of an interlinear Bible that would also give you the English translation above each word. Or maybe you could look online. There's many free 
places you could go, even free software you could find that would give you the Greek text. But if you don't, if you can't find it for some reason, uh, let me tell you that the word here, Alpha, we have it spelled out in our King James Bible, I am Alpha, and the word Omega, which is also spelled out is actually in the Greek just the letter A or Alpha and the letter Omega. They are not words in the Greek text. You would find I, M, and then you would see Alpha, which is written exactly like our letter A and Omega. We don't have a letter that really um, matches how the Omega is written. It's sort of like an upside-down U with um, a sort of uh, hooks on, on the ends. But you just find the letter in the Greek text. And, and that's amazing that Christ is saying, I am, the, we would say, the letter A, and I am the letter Omega. And... We wonder, why does he say this? Well, it it becomes obvious when we realize that Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. And Omega is the last letter of the Greek alphabet. The Greek alphabet has 24 letters in it. Um, The Hebrew alphabet, we can know this, uh, has 22 letters in it. And if you want to know the letters of the Hebrew alphabet, read Psalm 119. Many Bibles uh, present the letter before each one of the stanzas as that psalm, in an interesting way, God wrote that psalm to have each verse begin with the particular letter in alphabetical order through Psalm 119. And the Hebrew letter, the first letter is Aleph. It's similar sounding to Alpha. Um, it's written differently. But the Hebrew has 22 letters. And the 22nd letter, the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet is Tau. And it doesn't look anything like the Omega. Now, that's the Hebrew. There's 22 letters. The Greek has 24. It, it has two additional letters. Our English alphabet, of course, you know, has 26 letters. And our first letter is A, and our last letter is Z. And if God were using the English alphabet, which he didn't to write the Bible, it would say, I am the A and the Z, the first and the last, or as it says here, the beginning and the ending. Uh, this verse, Alpha and Omega, is found four times, or this statement is found four times in four different verses, here in verse 8 of Revelation 1, and also in verse 11 of this same chapter, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches, and, and then it goes on to list the seven churches. It's also found in Revelation 21, in verse 6. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. 
And finally, the fourth place in Revelation 22, verse 13, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Four times all in the book of Revelation, God makes this statement, and in each case, it's just the letter. It's the letter Alpha and the letter Omega. And we wonder, well, besides teaching first and last, and and clearly uh, these verses, each one of them, are letting us know that that the Lord Jesus is the beginning. And, and the following statements confirm that, uh, the beginning and the ending, the first and the last. It, it lets us know very well what God had in mind by telling us that Christ is the Alpha and Omega. Well, besides that, is there anything else we can learn from this language? Well, I think there is. I think there's one one other thing. There, Of course, with the Bible, there could always be more um, riches, more truth. But one thing that I can see is the positioning of the letters in the Greek alphabet. Al- alpha is number one, the first letter, and omega is number 24, the last letter. And uh, what is telling a little bit is that after alpha, after the first, you count 23 letters, and then comes omega. Omega is the 23rd letter after alpha. And why is that significant? Well, that's significant because we we know that God relates the number 23 with the end, with Judgment Day. He he began the Great Tribulation period with 2,300 evening mornings, wherein virtually no one was being saved in the world. Some were being saved, uh, uh, it would appear, a uh, relative handful, none in the church, uh, any being saved would have been saved outside of the churches and congregations. But God uses that number 23 and multiples of 10, 2300 evening mornings. And the entire Great Tribulation period itself was 23 years. And uh, from May 21, 1988 until May 21, 2011. And what happened after the Great Tribulation after that 23-year period. Then came Judgment Day, and Judgment Day is the end. It, it is a prolonged day of judgment, and therefore a prolonged end, but it is the end. Following the 13,000 years of history, God tacked on an additional 23-year Great Tribulation period, and then brought judgment to the point of completion um, by shutting the door to heaven and pouring out his wrath upon all of the unsaved people on the earth and bringing the ending. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. After we go 23 letters, we come to the end. And uh, there, there's many other 
figures uh, that God uses in the Bible with the number 23. We won't turn to them all. You may remember there were 23 kings of Israel, and then God brought judgment. And there were 23 kings of Judah, and then God brought judgment. After the the first three kings were kings of both, there was the unified people of Israel, and then uh, there were 20 kings of Israel, which would total 23, and then the judgment, and then 20 kings of Judah, and finally the the destruction of Judah by the Babylonians and and other types and figures like that that God uses. So that's one interesting aspect to this statement. I am Alpha and Omega. And then the Lord goes on to say the beginning and the ending. Now we, we know that Christ is in view even though well, we we haven't seen the name Jesus Christ since verse 5, but there's none other that is the beginning. It says in John 1, in the first few verses of John 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by Him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus is in the beginning with the Father. He is the Word. And he is the one who who created the world. We read in Colossians chapter 1, in beginning in verse 15, I'll read a few verses here, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn, of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. And here again, God is identifying the Lord Jesus Christ as the beginning to this creation. Jesus himself has no beginning. And just to comment on that, it says here he is the beginning and the ending, and and we shouldn't uh, mistake that statement for indicating that Christ had a beginning. God makes a point of spelling that out, of making sure we understand that's not so. In Hebrews 7, verse 3, where he's using the name of Melchizedek to describe Jesus, and he says in, in Hebrews 7, 3, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. There, Jesus has no beginning nor end. We have to be careful about that. But concerning this creation, he is the beginning. He's the one who spoke and created the world. Remember, he is the Word. And he is also the beginning, the firstborn from the dead when he died for the sins of his people before 
the world began, from the foundation of the world, and was resurrected when he rose from the dead. He was declared to be the Son of God, the firstborn, the beginning of the creation of God. It says in one place, only because it's referring to those that will come, who will be created in his image. They are the elect of God, and they are the people of God. And so the Lord Jesus Christ himself has no beginning, but he is the beginning. That is another name for Christ. He, in his essence, is the beginning of life. All life stems from him. There is no life apart from the Lord Jesus. And and so he, he is the beginning point of all existence, of everything that has any life in it at all. Now, um, we also want to go over to Hebrews 3. And here God makes an interesting statement in verse 6. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end? And then the Lord speaks of the day of temptation in the wilderness, and that was a time of severe trial and testing for the Israelites when they came out of Egypt. And he concludes that idea in verse 12 and following, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. And the word beginning and end here is the same as in our verse in Revelation 1. And we can see what God is saying when we get to the final phase of existence in this world, when we enter into the day of judgment, the time of severe testing of the elect who will be put through a fiery trial to see if they will endure unto the end. And that word end in Matthew 24 is also the same Greek word, telos. And here God says that it, if we hold the beginning, now who is the beginning? Christ is the beginning. If we hold on to the Lord Jesus Christ, and we could only do that, of course, if he is holding on to us just as Jacob when he wrestled with God. It it was God's allowance to permit Jacob to endure the wrestling match, to hold on until he received the blessing. But if we're able, by the grace of God, as he continues to draw us and hold us fast and not allow us to depart from him, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end, and he is the end, then we will receive that great and glorious and abundant blessing of God that is in store for each one of his people.